You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is August 31st, 2021. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com today to find the best prices for parts for your car or truck. On today's show, Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington joins me. We talk about a whole bunch of things. The debut of K-Bert Ruiz, uh, Josiah Gray's tough performance, Riley Adams potentially moving to first and maybe even left field to the Nats. Hit one Soto leadoff. Should they move Carter Keyboom up in the lineup? A lot of fun on today's show. Hope you all enjoy. I, I love starting out shows with technical difficulties. Uh, Josh Neighbors here with Matt Wyrick. I know we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to tell people about that, Matt. They tell you, you know, not let people in on that. But we're transparent here, locked on Nationals. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington is here. We started off the show by talking about uh, Bishop Sycamore. If you have not heard about the story, go read about it. It's a, basically a story about uh, a fake high school defrauding ESPN and playing a game. So Matt and I were discussing what is like the the parallel of this. I said it was the scene in Benchwarmers where the guy who plays Fernando Sucre in um, Prison Break gives the piece of paper that says I am 12 and you know has $20 behind it giving that and then playing in the game. Matt, what did you say your comp was uh, to this situation? I mean, I feel like it's got to be, you know, some little league team in the little league world series somehow getting in despite having like all players over 12, uh, but also who aren't very good because that's kind of what this, this team was despite the fact that they're junior college players, they're, they're dropouts and obviously can't compete with these D one recruits. So um, it would be really funny to see, uh, you know, like a little league team just getting absolutely destroyed, like 30 to nothing, getting no hit. Um, and then you find out later that that team shouldn't have been even been in there. Did you see the video of, of their quarterback from last year, just like railroading kids? I mean, he's yeah. a big kid who's a linebacker and just putting the stick in a couple kids. I love and it. it used to be circling around on Twitter last year. I remember it. People were like, check out this kid. And it makes sense now because it turns out he's probably like 30 years old. So yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's the part of it. Um, we've got some, some hot prospect news to talk about because last night the Washington Nationals got a look at the future, not just catcher potentially of the organization, but uh, a future battery that could be really effective for them. Josiah Gray was pitching. And let's get this out of the way now. Okay, so I've heard a few pronunciations. K-Bert? K-Bear? K-Bert, what, what, how do we pronounce Mr. Ruiz's first name, to your understanding? To my understanding, uh, it's K-Bert. Okay. Um, but I think K-Bear might also be correct. I know I can find this out for sure if I look on Twitter real quick, because uh, my buddy over at um, the Rochester Red Wings has posted a video of him saying his name. Um, here we go. K Bert. K Bert. Yes. So like the there letter K and then like a bear, like a, a teddy bear with a T. So K yes. Bert. K Bert. Okay. So you're going to hear a lot of announcers botch that K Bert, Kyber, whatever, you know, you, you hear yeah. K Bert is how K-Bert. it's pronounced. That's how we're going with it. Uh, 
And so he debuts last night. I, I thought it was kind of semi-ironic that it was it was Josiah Gray's worst outing by far as a national. Now, he's only made five or six of them at this point, but it was definitely his worst last night. But I think there was so much overanalyzing of the way that he, uh, you know, K. Barrett was, was framing pitches. I think the one thing FP mentioned and I kind of noticed it too is he likes to frame low. He really does like to frame low strikes. It's kind of uh, – it's kind of his his best quality is, is kind of framing that lower part of the zone, which some a little bit different. You know, Josiah Gray is somebody that likes to spot all over the place and does leave a few. Uh, but maybe actually that low framing is something that could help Josiah in the future because, you know, I think if there's one knock against him, it's the fact that he does he does leave a few too many pitches up in the zone, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, all but like before entering this start or this previous start, all but one of the runs he had allowed so far as a national were given up on home runs. So uh, that's definitely been a problem for him is, is just kind of leaving those, those pitches over the middle of the plate and not hitting the corners, hitting the spots. Yeah. So last night, Josiah Gray, four innings, seven hits, uh, uh, seven hits, six runs all earned three walks, four K's. Yeah. Command really wasn't there, but look, these are the starts that you want him to have, right? It's, it's better to have them now. And in, in these learning experiences, that he'll get. And, and look, I, I didn't think the, there was some bad defense. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez had no idea what he was doing out there. That was terrible. For, you know, this, it brings up such an interesting point because this, all, all this stuff is like a future conversation about the Nats, right? And so you saw that right there. And as good as Yadiel has been, like the idea that maybe he should be playing every single day out in left field might be one that uh, I'm not sure about. I think a DH might do him actually a lot of good. Yeah, I think that he's going to be an interesting case for next year because, you know, David Martinez has talked about how Yadiel is going to pro- be in the mix for next season. Uh, he said that he could see him being an everyday left fielder. He said if the DH does come to the National League that he could see him being in the DH mix. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot that can happen between now and next season. You know, is, is, does it really come down to in center field? Is it Lane Thomas versus Victor Robles, or w- are you willing to consider – Lane Thomas in left and Victor Robles in center. Uh, if you do want to uh, get Riley Adams bat uh, into the mix more, are you going to try to DH him or is he going to be straight, you know, first baseman catcher? Uh, as we heard yesterday, Davey said mm-hmm. that Riley Adams is going to start working out at first base and perhaps left field uh, position that he said he's comfortable with. Uh, so there's a lot of young players right now vying for spots and, and Hernandez is really, it's his playing time is going to come down to, you know, where do the nationals, uh, least, you know, need him uh, to fill because uh, right now they, they have to prioritize the younger players and, and, and those guys are going to get, uh, I think, a bit more preference. And then you also have to factor in they're probably going to sign a guy or two over the offseason that, that could be in the outfield mix uh, or the DH mix. So uh, you have to imagine that playing time is not going to be just handed to him, uh, despite the fact that he's been swinging a good bat. But that, that mm-hmm. defensive showing. I think was pretty evident there uh, that he isn't an everyday left fielder. Uh, d- at least defensively, there are definitely some big drawbacks for him. Quick pause to the cause. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the best place for all of your sports gambling needs. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Check out their NFL Super Contest as well as their Eliminator Pool. It's easy to sign up. You go to betonline.ag. You can do it on your phone, your tablet, your computer. You can sign up there today. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. You'll get a deposit bonus as well. 
and you can play, you know, uh, all their cool contests, MLB odds, NFL odds, college football, boxing, F1, MMA. They've got it all there at betonline.ag today. Get in on the action. Bet online. They are your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, let's talk about the, the guy everybody was really talking about last night, K. Barrett Ruiz. Uh, goes one for four, came out with bases loaded, eager to hit. Now, it was difficult because he's going up against Zach Wheeler, and I, I thought the first pitch especially, Zach started him off with a fastball, like 98, I mean, right on the edge. And, you know, this is a matchup where I think, um, you know, that's the kind of – it's a pitch that kind of establishes, hey, this is major leagues, right? You're going to get behind the count sometimes. You're going to get behind because of pitches like that. But – Ends up dunking one in center field, right? Ends up getting a hit. So, you know, when you see him, this is a guy clearly with the numbers in the minor leagues and with the swing as well, has got some power. And I think if you're a Nationals fan, you're really salivating because of that, right? Because that is what this team desperately needs. They need somebody in the in the middle part of this order to help support Juan Soto because we've seen – once again, earlier this year is a great example. If you can string two or three guys together, uh, you know, the Nats can be successful despite the pitching maybe not being great. They can build a great lineup with two or three guys. And um, I, I think that's kind of, you know, what, what Nats fans are going to get excited about, even though ironically, once again, it was a dunk single in the center field that was his first hit. Yeah, you know, he, power has been his calling card in AAA this season. 21 home runs, uh, easily a career high for him. He also has 24 doubles, uh, which leads all AAA catchers this season. So he has shown that power. It's it's something that has really blossomed for him this year. And for that reason, I would say that I, I would not be surprised if it took him a little while to develop that power at the major league level. Because prior to the 2020 and 2021 seasons, he was more of a contact hitter. I mean, his strikeout rate in the, his entire minor league career was just 9.7%. That's really good, a really good, especially for a catcher. Uh, catchers tend to be guys who, who swing and miss a lot more. So for him to have that, that bat-to-ball skills, that's kind of been how he's developed as a hitter in general, right? So for him to now be, come up to the major leagues, this is his third stint here uh, in the big leagues, I think that he's going to try to focus on you know hunting his pitch, uh, swinging early in counts. He, he talks about that a lot as uh, he doesn't like to let counts get really deep. Uh, and when he sees his pitch, he attacks it. And that's going to produce a, a lot of balls in play. Uh, and I would I would guess that until he gets more comfortable at the big league level, we're not going to see that power really flourish. And whether that's you know a couple of days, a couple of weeks, or even not until next year, uh, I would just say to you know pump the brakes and, and we're not going to be seeing any Juan Soto-esque, Reese Hoskins-esque, uh, home run binges to start his MLB career. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds you of the big knock on Luis Garcia coming up. People kept saying, hey, you know, where's the power at? And it's like, dude, this kid's going to fill out and he's got to, you know, find his way. And actually, you can make the same thing about, you know, say the same thing about Carter Keyboom. Um, and you've actually seen a little bit of a power flourish from him, right? He's he's a guy who's... He had, a, he had yeah, a home run 400 feet yesterday. Right. And, um, and we'll get to him in a second, but... You know, the Nats, I think they got to feel pretty comfortable. Obviously, I know it's, you know, I'm not basing this off the one game, but they're pulling him up now. And the idea that you can get him an entire month worth of reps at the major league level, get him going into spring next year, and he'll be good to, you know, you'll be good to go. It's a low leverage spot right now. I know there's still a lot of pressure with being a high end prospect, but, you know, you think about this Nats lineup, um, that's what they need. That, that kind of gap to gap, you know, guy can go deep. They need some. They need guys who can continue to help produce runs, because 
and I, this is kind of leading, I've asked a bunch of people this and I want to get your thoughts on this. To me, I really think they got to, they got to flirt with the idea of hitting one Soto lead off for the last month. And this is why he gets on base so much and you've got so many young guys behind him to the point where I, I would put young guys in the front of this lineup. I would put him first and I want to give them opportunities to drive in runs. And that is a chance. That is an opportunity they will get with him at the lineup. I mean, he, over the last, of the course of the last month of the month of August is getting over on base over 50% of his at bats. It's getting insane, but uh, you know, a, a product of that is because the lineup behind him is, isn't very good and, and you'll take your chances with the other guys, you know, when Turner and, and, and um, Schwarber were there, you really couldn't do that because those two guys were probably in, in, already in a situation where, you know, they were in scoring position or near it. Right. Or they'd already scored. So the pressure was on. Now the pressure's not on as much. I know they've had some success with Alcides and Lane Thomas batting leadoff, but with the clip that he's getting on base, to me, it's an idea that they really have to flirt with because his approach is one that should not change. And sure, it makes you know it it, it does take the bat out of his hands a lot, but that's fine because he's on base and giving his teammates so many opportunities to drive in runs. Yeah, you know, I've. I've always been a proponent of him hitting second. I think that mm-hmm. uh, getting him, uh, you know, higher up in the order, just giving him more at bats over the course of a full season, you know, definitely I think plays. Um, you know, I, I think with Soto's l- not lack of power, but just kind of the not him hitting the home runs uh, and the doubles, maybe at the clip we were expecting him to at the start of the season. I think you can justify hitting him leadoff because you know he's he's kind of hitting more singles and, and drawing walks than he is doing anything else. So, uh, you know, if, if that's not, it's not to say that's the only offensive value he brings to the table, obviously he does a lot more, but if that's the primary way that he is contributing to the offense is getting on base, then yeah, it makes total sense to, to consider him at lead off. Uh, in that, in that way, you know, if then a team knows that if it does walk Juan Soto, it's now going to have to deal with two, three, four, uh, which, you know, the Nationals 2-3-4 is not the same as, as you know, the Red Sox or, or the Yankees or anything like that. But uh, it is still, you know, just in a pitcher's head. Uh, OK, we just locked, walked the leadoff, man. Now we got to deal with the meat of the lineup, you know, in any any situation. That's that's not what pitchers want to be dealing with. So they might be more likely uh, to pitch to Soto as opposed to where you hit him third. And, you know, if, if you have you can walk Soto and all of a sudden it's just Josh Bell and then the rest. Uh, I think you you kind of feel a little bit more comfortable about doing it if you're a pitcher. Yeah, I just with Alcides Escobar, you know he he's been so good for for the situation they brought him in. And I I just feel like last year they did the same thing with at Drupal Cabrera that where you know the season was kind of heading the wrong direction and they they kept him too long at third. And to me with with you know I'm not sure how long Alcides is going to be out for, but I see it as an opportunity to maybe bring some other guys up more forward in the lineup. And give them some chances because this is the time to do it. This is the time to experiment and play. And I don't necessarily love the fact that yeah, the lineup, the lineups look pretty similar every single day during this period of you know they're not tanking, but they're not trying to be. They're not trying to win baseball games. So I don't think the lineup should look the same every single day. They're not trying to win series. They're, you know, I, I like the idea of Wayne Thomas hitting first and see what you got there. Some uh, I like that, but I think this is a time where you move Juan and, and Carter around. And I know Josh Bell yeah. kind of has to sit in the same spot. Go ahead. I think Carter should be much higher up in the lineup I right now. I mean, he's he's starting to hit in the low leverage spots, right? And that was the kind of the big thing was like, right, he was thrown into the fire. He was the replacement of Anthony Rendon. The pressure was on him, you know, and he had to learn a new position and all this stuff. And now he's settled in, uh, you know, his, his defense is third. still is definitely a work in progress. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> 
you know, whether he's on the left or the right side of that second base bag, we've seen him make errors. So, uh, you know, he definitely needs to improve in the defensive department. But as a hitter, we're, we're starting to see him, what he looks like when he's in a rhythm. Uh, he's got some power and he, he can he works a good at bat, too. I think he has hasn't been getting a lot of credit for that because the the, the, the home runs, because there were just none of them uh, in 2020 hit zero. Uh, you know, the power has been something that I think more people have been talking about, but I think his approach to the plate has been a lot better too. He's not trying to do too much when he gets into two strike counts, he's willing uh, to just try to shorten up and go opposite field, get a single. Uh, and he's done it in a couple of clutch situations. So I would love to see him. If you aren't going to hit Soto lead off and you're going to keep him at third, hit, hit Carter, keep him second, uh, you know, get him into some more higher leverage situations and see how he responds. Cause now's the time, you know, I mean, obviously you'll have next year as well. Uh, but move him up and, and show some confidence in him and see if he can come through in the big moments. One final pause in the action on today's show. Today's Locked On at Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at DirecTV and DirecTV Stream. You guys know how this goes. Does this sound familiar? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Save time and money when using rockauto.com from their selection of thousands of auto parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership, for example? Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store, 216 at rockauto.com. And once again, they're a family-run business serving do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com today to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Yeah, he's hitting 250 with 346 on base, uh, 446 lighting and 791 OPS in this in the month of August. And look, by no means is that a you know is that crazy awesome numbers, but for a guy that you know it felt like maybe he was heading in a direction where the Nationals had to make a decision on his future, this is an encouraging sign. I'm with you. I, I, I'm th- I'm thinking to myself, and maybe Dave Martinez is saying, well, what if it doesn't work? But like you got to figure out at some point, right? But you have to find out if, if it's going to work. And I, I'm with you. Move him up in the lineup and challenge him a little bit and say, hey, we're, we're going to you know put you in some spots to succeed. You know, maybe maybe now they do it, right? Maybe now they hit him second. Um, and and you know this is a time to, to tinker and toy at the lineup. And you know with Ruiz, like that, maybe in two or three weeks you you play yeah, with the yeah. idea of moving Get him, him up things work, right? But that's kind of what I'm saying with this whole one thing is like, look, you've got the option to set the table for guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know what Juan is as a three hitter, as a four hitter, as a two hitter, right? Like we, we know what he would be in all those spots, but take what he's been doing well and use that to give other guys opportunities. Is kind of what I'm saying. I know it's a weird principle, maybe not one that's always the most 
it's not one that I think it's endorsed by people in baseball, right? Kind of the idea of, hey, let's just give – this is a weird way to give young guys opportunities. But the whole point is he just gets on base so much to the point where it's like, why wouldn't you say, hey, Carter Keeboom, how do you do in the number two spot when you got a guy on base for, you know, before you're getting on? Question one more about Juan on base. How do you feel about the stealing thing? I know he got his 30th career steal the other day, and he could steal more. He wants to steal more. Do the coaches in the front office want to steal? Want him to steal more? Do the fans want him to steal more? You know, you, you know, think about that, right? Yeah, I, I would say that he's not a player who gets like the perennial green light, like Trey Turner mm-hmm. did. Like, I think Victor Robles has had that turned off actually, but for a while <laughs> he was he was kind of you know given the the pass to steal whenever he thought he, he could. Uh, Juan is a player who I think it's more situational. You know, if if, if uh, you know Davy sees something, he'll relay the signs over. Or Soto sees something, he'll mention something. First base coach, and they'll they'll come up with a plan right there. But uh, you know, I I think he's a smart base runner. He's not the fastest guy, and it, and when it comes to stealing second base in particular, uh, I think it really comes down to his jumps, uh, and that's something I think he could definitely work on uh, because I don't think he gets the greatest jumps, and that's kind of hurt him. Uh, you know, when it, when it's not with so they throw a fastball, you know, he's pretty much gunned every time. You know, right. he, he's kind of really banking on running on breaking ball situations, uh, hoping it's, you know, a, a curveball in the dirt or something. So he gets that, the, the extra step um, because his jump just hasn't been there. So if, if he can work on that, I think that's, that was something in the field uh, that was a big problem for him was just uh, early on in his career was he wasn't getting great jumps on routes. Uh, and so he was missing balls that you, you, when you watch the play, you would see it unfold and it wouldn't look like he made a gaff or anything, but it was because he didn't get a good jump on it. It, you know, Statcast would say, "Oh, you know, that's a play that a player in his position should have made," uh, and that's why his defensive metrics weren't as great. So that's something that he's worked on, and we've seen some progress from him. Uh, and on defense, now I think the next step is is translating that to the base pass. Let's talk about the catching situation. Obviously, Ruiz is number one, right? Riley Adams has been on a tear ever since he's become a national. Barrera, though, has been so solid for them all year. I love the fact that he was thrust into that spot and he responded so well and has performed. So well, and you can question maybe is you know some of the stuff behind the plate, but um, they sent him down, which we all which we thought was kind of I, I know you don't want to carry three catchers, right? Um, you know, do you think this is an indication of hey, Riley Adams gives us a bit more versatility with playing first? I don't know, he's pretty big, man, to be playing left field, like he can tell us he plays left field, and that's on that, that's a great move for him, right? Mm-hmm. Say I'm useful in as many ways as possible. And especially right now, the manager's like, all right, you know, it doesn't really matter. We'll chuck you out in the field for a couple of games, especially after you saw what Yadiel Hernandez did. It's true. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting catcher's battle. I know Riley Adams is a small sample size, but I, I guess the versatility for them is going to allow, you know, it's going to let him stick. And I, I thought it was maybe a three-man battle, but they might just kind of roll out and say, hey, we've got, we've got Riley, we've got Ruiz. It's kind of going to be our tandem. So I think just where we're at right now, you know, Barrera's played 30 games at the big league level this year, and Riley Adams has played, has played 18, I think it was. Uh, and Adams has been the better hitter uh, over, you know, he's got a 1,000-plus OPS right now. And, and not to say Barrera's been a bad hitter by any means, but he's been, uh, you know, solid. And so I right. think that with the, the roster crunch that the Nats had, uh, had, having three catchers, the roster does expand tomorrow to 28, and I would not be surprised if Barrera was called right back up. Uh, but Davey did say he wants him to get every day at bats in AAA. So maybe we see him stay down for a little bit longer. Um, my thing, uh, right. I think the whole decision for right now just came down to Riley Adams swinging a better bat. 
Pereira can can get every day at bats down in Rochester. And meanwhile, we keep Riley up here and he can work with the major league staff on first base. Uh, you know, like I said, Adam said he could play left field. Davey did not indicate that that is in the near plans. I think first base, they're going to go first base first. And then if, you know, things go well there, maybe they look at left field. But first base is going to be the priority now uh, to see if he can be a competent defender over there. I would imagine we don't see him in a game situation there. You remember with Josh Bell. Uh, practicing at left field, it was like six weeks that he was working out there before they even uh, played him in a game in left field. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, uh, right before the end of the year, before we actually see Adams being play, playing at first base. But uh, I think, you know, with him being a little bit older, uh, the Nationals were okay, you know, not giving him every day at bats and working on the defense and uh, in, in seeing if they can improve his, his uh, positional flexibility because he's shown that, you know, when he's swinging a really hot bat, he can be a dominant force in this lineup, uh, and they want to find other ways to get his bat into the lineup as opposed to Barrera, uh, who, you know, I don't think the Nationals are trying, actively trying to get creative to get his bat in the lineup. It's right. not like he was necessarily a top prospect this year. In fact, he's his numbers in, in the majors this year offensively are outperforming what he did in AAA this mm-hmm. year. Uh, so there's quite frankly, some, uh, some expectation that he's going to regress to the mean at some point. So they want him down in AAA, continue to get every at bats, staying comfortable, uh, so that they kind of minimize that risk. And maybe I think too, you know, I saw yesterday, Alex Avila is back for the team, right? So yeah. I think while, while he might not be getting a lot of reps, they might want to carry him to, to, you know, kind of be foster, foster the, uh, development and growth of Riley Adams and Caper is just thinking, you know, have a guy who's imparting some wisdom upon them. I will say catcher has become such an important position for the nationals. Uh, they've really invested in the catcher mm-hmm. position yeah. uh, uh, at the trade deadline. They, they get rubies. They, they get, get the Riley. Oakland too, right? I've yeah. his name. Yeah. Right. I forget his name as well, but the, they added three catchers at the deadline. Uh, and now catcher is all of a sudden a position of strength in the organization, but they have no veteran guidance, right? So you, you bring in Alex Avila, who apparently, even as he's been on the injured list, has been working with Pereira, has been talking with these guys, uh, and has been a, a helpful presence. And they also have Henry Blanco, uh, who is their bullpen coach and was a major league catcher for a mm-hmm. better part of a decade. Uh, so they, they, between him uh, and Avila, the Nationals feel that they have some guidance uh, for these young guys and in what has now become uh, one of the most important positions on the team. Yeah, it's interesting about the ages of these guys, right? Riley Adams, 25. Ruiz, 23. Josiah Gray, 23. Keeboom is 23. Garcia, 21. And then I saw somebody tweet about yesterday. It's like, yeah, Juan Soto is still 22. 22. Right? Yep. It's, yep. It, and he's the, I mean, he's the you know superstar of all superstars. Um, Matt, what are you working on right now at NBC Sports Washington? What can the folks get? Are you are you just baseball? Are you going to football mode? What's What's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm still doing some baseball stuff. Uh, I got, actually got a piece coming out this week uh, talking with Darren Baker. I had a good, nice conversation with him yesterday. Uh, he's off to a, a fast start uh, to his pro career, needed just four games uh, at the rookie ball level before he was moved up to Fredericksburg. So I uh, had a nice chat with him. going to be talking with his manager this week and have a story uh, coming out soon. But um, definitely shifting gears a little bit now with the football season coming up. I'm doing a lot of fantasy football content this year, so uh, stay on the lookout for that. I don't tweet as much of my football stuff just because mm-hmm. I'm more talk about my followers more care about baseball on on Twitter, so uh, I tend to to stick to that. But who knows? Maybe maybe I'll venture more into the fantasy realm there um, in terms of generating some conversation and 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm pumped for football, man. I don't know about you, but uh, I, am, I am. I need it back. Yeah, it's uh, we got Thursday night games for college. You know, locked on Bay Twelve going crazy right now. Uh, all kinds oh, yeah. of stuff. So everybody's everybody's pumped up, fired up. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on social media, and where can they find your work? Yep, I am on Twitter at by Matt Weirich. That's W E Y R I C H. I won't blame you if you mispronounce it. Uh, and my work is over at NBCSportsWashington.com. All right, Matt Weirich, NBC Sports Washington. We appreciate your time. Yes, sir. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.